Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Oh, and what about a healthy, sexy mind, modern lovers? Well, today we're going to talk about something so close to my heart. We're going to talk about the mindfulness habit. Mindfulness isn't new. It's been around since even before the Buddha and all the Buddhist teachings came on the planet. Way back in the day, the Veda, which is the root philosophy of Hinduism, which is not a religion but a philosophy, came about. And it's all about being able to tame the monkey mind. And after I traveled to India to visit ashrams and learn meditation myself, I can tell you, seeing those monkeys running around gave me a very good idea why they talk about the mind being a drunken monkey. So if your drunken monkey mind is getting in your way and you want to find peace and you want to join this trending old but new thing called mindfulness, today's your day. So what does it really mean to be conscious, to be mindful, to be aware of the present moment? Well, here at Modern Love Training, we believe that that is one of the things that can really help you in your love life. Imagine what it would be like if you and the one you love could have that peace together, if you could have those moments of deep connection. Well, we want you to have that more. So every single month, Here at Modern Love Training, we have a live full-day event where you can come and soak up all the latest science, psychology, and spirituality of modern love in this mobile, global, fast-paced world. We do need mindfulness and many other tools to create a healthy love life. So upcoming on August 18th, we will have another one of our one-day trainings. It's going to be spiritual tools for great love, and it's going to be 3.0 because it's the third part of our series on healing invisible wounds using spiritual tools. So another thing, by the way, mark your calendar, uh, August 11th and 12th. I'll be speaking in Sacramento at the New Life Expo. Up there, you can check that out online. Now, let's get to our Ask Dr. Brenda question. And by the way, keep those questions coming. This one's 
a doozy, kind of a sad question. Uh, This question says, Dear Dr. Brenda, my husband's been having an affair. Uh, We've been trying to work it out. We've been in therapy for 14 months. And I have an understanding of why the affair happened in the first place, but I can't get past the hurt, the lies, the mistrust, and the failure to honor our marital vows. I recently moved out of the house so I could get a better grip on getting over the affair. It really hurts, and I need some advice, especially since I fantasize having my own affair to get back at him. What's good for the goose? All right. It's signed, What's Good for the Goose? Look, um, Gander, since you're not the goose, this is where actually today's topic can be helpful to you because mindfulness does help us to get to that place of center where we can start the process of healing. And I would say you've got three steps ahead of you. You've already done the step of going to therapy and figuring out why it happened I would encourage you to also take a look at his family genogram and yours and see what in your genogram made you vulnerable in this kind of experience in your life. It's not a blame thing. It's just about truly understanding. Next step would be start the process of forgiveness. And forgiveness is the ultimate challenge. It really does take time. It takes energy. But at the end of the day, it's the only way to find peace. The Course in Miracles said it best. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. I can't encourage you enough. And today's guest is going to have a lot to say about that. So get to work, Gander. Let me tell you about our guest. I'm so excited. The ancient practice of meditation particularly mindfulness meditation, was recently one of the most popular trends in the U.S., about 6% to 8% of adults and 1.6% of children have already been exposed to mindfulness. Because of its health benefits, it's also something that medical practitioners are adopting. And today, our guest is Kate Keandra who is a teacher, speaker, and integrative health practitioner since 1992. She's a registered advanced practitioner and instructor, and she has a background in therapy and in neuromuscular education. She holds a diploma in herbal studies through the Australasian, I'm going to make sure she's going to help me with that, Australasian (laughs) College of Herbal Studies. Her book is The Mindfulness Habit, Six weeks to creating the habit of being present. Welcome to the show, Karen. Such a pleasure to have you with us. Kate, excuse me. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. We had enough trouble hooking up. Are you sure you know who you're talking to, right? Oh, I do know who I'm talking to. Oh, okay. Great to have you, Kate. I love yeah, the title. Thanks of your for being on. Speaking of being thanks. present. Yeah, so, so it's, where, um, just so you know, it's Australasian, like like Aust- Australia, Australasian. and that's it's like Australasia is like the the area that includes like New Zealand and all of that. So that's what Australasian is, Beautiful. and they have they and I, they also have a U.S. Part, branch. So that's 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 what that is. So we can clear that off the table. Beautiful. Thank you very much for clearing that You're up. Welcome. That helps us stay present when we clear things up, everybody. So Kate, tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you got interested in mindfulness and started this journey that you're on. Well, um, I, um, I, 
kind of stumbled into an opportunity to see the Dalai Lama. And um, when I got there, we have a large uh, Tibetan uh, population here in the Twin Cities. And um, he had come here to do a bunch of things. And one of the things he did was this Dharma talk and that was designed specifically for these, these, um, the, these uh, Tibetan immigrants. And, um, mm-hmm. so and for those who balcony, don't know what Dharma is, would you break that down for us, Kate? Yeah, so he was so he came to do a bunch of talks and, and one of them was a Dharma talk which is basically just a talk about the teachings of the Buddha. And mm-hmm. so it was very specific around that. And he did it in Tibetan, which he doesn't usually do, but he was that was mm-hmm. the audience. And uh but he came out on stage and I felt like the whole building sort of shifted on its foundation and I had something inside me said, Okay, mm. you need to pay attention. Um and so I sat there and and there was a translator, but there were large periods of time where I, I just sat there and listened and not, didn't know what he was talking about. But what I was really sure about when I left um, was that he was completely himself all the time and that, that was his, his presence was his gift to the world, and I wanted to So that. I have a question <laughs> for you. Yeah. Well, do you think yeah. that there's anything in your background or maybe anyone else's background that predisposes them to be able to feel that energy? You felt that energy of the Dalai Lama. Was there something in your background that made you go, hmm, I need to be there, there's, there's something for me? Well, I, I settled into it because I decided to enroll in a, a, work, a, a weekend uh, kind of seminar conference on Tibetan medicine and that was just sort of like the little bonus was that you also got to go see the Dalai Lama. So, um, so I was really drawn. Yeah, I asked that question because I, I find yeah. a lot of people who grow up with what we call difficult childhoods, mm. who have um, a sense of there's a, a wound, a core wound that seems to kind of pull them toward healing. I know that's been true for me in my own life. I had a very difficult childhood and grew up feeling lost and alone and lonely and deeply hurt. And I was always drawn toward the healing modalities, healing arts. So I just was curious if that was true for you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, my background originally was in theater. Um, I did my MFA in theater design, primarily a lighting designer but uh, and costumes. But I really felt the need to contribute to the world. And I think that that's what led me to becoming a, um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, I yeah, I have that sort of compulsion to sort of change, change the world as best I can. Well, whether that you want to important. change the world or if your impetus at the beginning is changing yourself, mm-hmm. mindfulness, I believe, has something to offer everyone. So if you could just give us your general working definition of mindfulness, Kate, what would you say? I would say it is giving your complete attention to where you are and what you're doing right now. Where you are and what you're doing. Now, how is that different from um, right now we're having a conversation and I'm paying attention to you? What's different about mindfulness? Actually, for me, nothing. 
Um, mindful, you know, people think that mindfulness is this thing that you only do when you sit on the cushion. I believe in what I, something I call applied mindfulness, which is when I teach people how to be mindful, whether to become um, a better manager or to relieve anxiety or to get in better touch with other people, whether that's their partner or um, family or people they don't get along with or whatever it is that I'm teaching people about mindfulness. I, you know, I start with some really basic things that they can do, but I move really quickly into doing it in ways that involve being able to do things mindfully so that you can integrate it into your life almost immediately so it doesn't become this extra thing that you have to do. People are so busy and so overwhelmed right now and feel guilty about the fact that they're maybe not eating right or not getting to the gym enough or not calling their their mom or whatever. We don't need anything else to feel guilty about. So if we can just make it easy to practice being mindful and apply it to what we're doing all the time, that's really where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But for people who are saying, God, I wouldn't know where to start, and I am so busy, what would you say are the main benefits of mindfulness, and then we'll tackle where people should start. And right now, I want all of you to think about getting in touch with Kate and learning about mindfulness because the benefits are huge, and her website is thehealingpresence.com. And I think that website says it all. That's wonderful, (laughs) Kate. So what, what would you say is the difference between meditation and mindfulness, and how do you recognize opportunities to do both? Well, you know, meditation is a pretty large umbrella. So there's a lot of things that come under uh, meditation, guided meditation, religious meditation, people who meditate on um, in ways that are very similar to prayer or meditate on on a particular idea or um, um or have some sort of uh, narrative or focus, and um, that that's there's lots of different ways things that come under the, the yeah, meditation umbrella. Yeah, I was watching umbrella. a show recently of uh, the Eastern Orthodox Christian Church teaching people to meditate on a mantra, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they went and interviewed this elderly monk who's like the preeminent uh, teacher in the Eastern faith. I've never heard of him, but apparently he is the man. His name is Brother Tomas, if I remember correctly. And the, the interviewer asked him one question. He was only allowed to ask one question. He just said, give us a word. And the teacher said, when the mind that can think and the heart that can love become one, then we found the divine. And that just struck me because that's, that's a powerful meditation. And I've, I've heard that heart and mind come mm-hmm. together kind of teaching when I was studying in India and places in the Far East also. So that's a very good, um, good example of meditating on a thought or an idea. But that is... Mm-hmm. That's a meditation that involves thinking, which is different from mindfulness. So 
being mindful can help with some kinds of meditation and some kinds of meditation can help with being mindful. And there's certainly a very, in the Venn diagram, they have a very big overlap. But So um, what you're saying is there, but there's still a difference between the thought and, and mindfulness. So zero in force, if I'm being mindful, and everybody you can take notes here, if I'm being mindful, what's the first step? Well, um, the idea is that you want to, to take your attention and rest it on a particular thing. So I always start with breathing. And I do it I do a different way of starting with people with putting their attention on breathing than is traditional. Traditionally people say, Go sit down, watch your breath, boom, do it. It's super hard. It's really hard. Um, it's good, it's useful, it's really, really hard. What I do is I start people with a, two particular breathing exercises that require a certain amount of attention, a certain level of paying attention, but is structured enough for them to be kind of forced a little bit into that paying attention. And then in terms of the, ha- the fact that I believe that this is a habit that we can develop, Habits have um, several parts, but one of the parts is the reward. It's why we have habits. If you're a, if you're a smoker, it's the nicotine. If you are um, if you're someone who every time you go to the grocery store you get a cookie, the reward is that you get to eat a cookie. So I the one of the things that I like about those breathing exercises is they make you feel good right away. So I think that the best way to start people having a, a positive habit is to make sure they get a cookie right out of the bag. <laughs> so and you know it's funny that's... because you use nicotine and you use cookie mm-hmm. as reward. Those actually have neurological changes. We actually are changing our neurochemistry as well as the chemistry, you know, overall of the body. But the research, mm-hmm. as you know, says that mindfulness also changes our neurochemistry. In fact, it um, does. A Nobel it Prize the, winner, uh, researcher. Yes, it does, and even down okay. to the level of the telomeres at the end of the chromosomes, the new research is showing that mindfulness can stop the breakage of the telomeres, and it is the breakage of the telomeres that causes the process that we call aging or illness in the body. So it's very, very powerful. The research is pouring in. So in terms of building the mental toolkit mm-hmm. and ways to use mindfulness as you're moving through your life. Say a person is a complete novice. What's the first thing they should do each day to begin to build this habit and get their cookie? Well, the, there's a, a few things about habit formation, and that is that you to, don't try to do everything at once, right? So you just pick one or two things and you you use those and you pay attention to those. Another thing that I really emphasize with people is to let go of expectations. I know people are really into goal setting. Goal setting is a big thing. Um, I will tell, I always tell people, let go of that. Don't have expectations because what happens is we end up getting things out of the process of becoming more present and mindful that we're not expecting. If you're looking for something, then you're not paying attention to what is actually happening, and you're going to miss the really cool thing that is happening. So that's another thing I tell people is 
just enter into the process with uh, as a kind of an act of faith that this is going to be that might be the most challenging thing. That's right. The most challenging thing because most people yeah. are saying, "I want the benefit. I want the benefit, and I want the benefit right this." And right. it's actually kind of the opposite. You know, my experience with mindfulness is the benefit is I'm getting off the fast track. I'm getting off that horse that's running around the track. Right, and which is another for, reason I feel it. Sorry. Yeah, the physical level. It's such a big right. shift. And that's one of the reasons that I like to start people with the breathing is because it does let them feel like they have, um, like they've accomplished something right away. So they 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 don't feel like there's not a lot of you know are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet you know right. I like right. you know and exactly. that yeah and the I, are we there yet mentality like I said it's it's a pre it's taking you away from what you're doing. It's like, am I more focused? Am I more focused? Am I, how about now? How about now? Right. You know? So what um, about, since we're here at Modern Love Radio, what is your experience with what happens in relationships when people begin well, to practice mindfulness, either one partner or both? So here's the thing that I tell people is the real huge benefit of learning how to be present Um which is what mindfulness does, right? It's teaching you how to be present, is that you develop a spacious mind. And that's like a really hard thing for people to sort of wrap their brains around. What does that mean, spacious mind? But when you start to take take sort of the the chatter, sort of the, the... the static, you know, out of the, the feedback and the static and the noise out of what's going on because that's what happens when you start to quiet your mind and um, pay attention to one thing as all the chatter starts to go away and all of a sudden there's room in your mind. And what that does is it allows you to be responsive instead of reactive. And ah, that's so key because mm-hmm. most couples, you know, I spend my entire life working with people around relationship issues and the number one issue is what you just put your finger on people reacting out of old patterns as opposed to being in the moment and having just that pause to be able to say what is the highest the most loving response I can make and then the thing that's so tragic is once someone has reacted instead of responding the thing I hear most often is, well, you know, it's okay that I do this. You know, it's okay that I raise my voice. It's okay that I, you know, lash out. Or it's okay that I shut down. When the truth is, we have options, and mindfulness can enhance the options. Right. It actually causes people, without knowing they're doing it, to become more compassionate. And that unlocks the whole thing about mm. what compassion is and how most people don't oh. misunderstand compassion. I love because what com- you just yeah. said. Oh, let's talk, yeah. can we just soak in that for one yeah. minute? Imagine, everybody, go on this journey, please, with Kate and I. Imagine <laughs> a world where people were responding with compassion. Just for right. a moment. This reminds me of that, that preacher uh, who spoke at the wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Notice how I put her name first. Anyway, and he said, imagine a world motivated by love. 
Imagine business motivated by love. Imagine politics motivated by love. And I'm switching that to imagine all of those things being motivated by compassion. It would be a tremendous shift if that's something I think he, we could yeah, really I cultivate. Think- Right, and I think people are a little afraid of that word because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. The way I define that word is, you know, people think that it means you have to be empathic and your heart has to bleed every time somebody else's heart heart bleeds. And actually what you're doing then is you're just sort of amplifying, like, back and forth that hurt. And what compassion really is is the ability to be completely present with somebody else's suffering, and it's a dispassionate state. Yes. It's about being present with it, not engaging in it, not feeding it, not reflecting it, not amplifying yes. it, but to be present with it. The word itself <laughs> means calm. Calm is Latin for with, passion, be with feelings. Be with mm-hmm. the person's feelings. Yeah. Right. The word itself says it all. But well, and some people think that that means... the 12 powers of the heart and this awakening of the heart, I think, is greatly facilitated by... Mindfulness, because we're not caught up in all of our little our little patterns. So, Kate, we only have a few minutes left. This went so very, very fast, and it's a topic, obviously, that is very important to me because I I was a scientist and a geek before I became a clinician or a relationship expert, and I'm looking deeply into the research on mindfulness, and it's coming in from all over the world, the benefits to people who are suffering, the benefits for people who have it all to soften their hearts and be helpful to those who are suffering. And I want you to just take the last few minutes, if you don't mind, and address more of the medical benefits that we're beginning to see. There's so much research now on mindfulness helping our health. Well, yeah. It's for one thing, um, you know, it it, um, it just low, it, it lowers your blood pressure, right? I mean, as soon as you stop having all that stuff kind of churning around in your head, it stops kind of being. Um, it, that helps you kind of handle things, and it lowers your blood pressure, and your body actually kind of slows down. Your heart slows down. Your your respiration slows down. All that stuff slows down, and that's really good for you. Um, it also means that you can't – I always tell people that worrying, being present and being worried at the same time is impossible because <laughs> worry means that you're – I always call it time traveling, right? It means that you're either – your either brain is either stuck in the past or stuck in the future because that's where worry lives. If you are right here right now, if you find yourself worrying, the trick is to bring yourself back to the present moment and, um, and that – really good for people who are worriers and worrying is, is hard on your body um, and very hard and, you know, on so the body because stress. worry produces all the negative neurotransmitters it raises exactly. cortisol levels shuts down the good neurotransmitters that make us feel good and over time that wears out the immune system and the body's vulnerable to all sorts of illness and when you talked about blood pressure that's one of the entry points Realness mm-hmm. is that we get all that pressure on our, our blood vessels. So that's tremendously powerful for those who are saying, well, this mindfulness thing, I don't know about compassion. Well, how about your health? So, Kate, in the last minute, what do you want to leave us with? 
Well, I think that the thing that people are concerned about is that it's something for other people. It's something for people who um, are like, you know, wear hippie skirts or um, burn <laughs> sage in their house or whatever. And, and it's, it's, it's not, or that it's really woo woo. And it's not, it's a very practical thing that changes your ability to function in the world in a really positive way with almost with no negatives and it can make you a better leader. It's a really great tool for people who are in the management or leadership. I, it's great for athletes. I've worked with athletes. It's been amazing. Um, it helps you focus. It helps you be happier. It helps your relationship yeah, with difficult right people. We're going to have to leave it there, but I'm going to tag right in there with you, Kate, that, of course, here at Modern Love, we want you to have great relationships, and it does improve your relationships because you become a conscious person who can think before you speak. So, everyone, our guest today is Kate Siandra, the book, and I want you, because, you know, we believe in books here at Modern Love. I want you to go get the book or if you have to, get it on Amazon, but we still like people to walk into the few remaining bookstores on the planet. And the book is The Mindfulness Habit, Six Weeks to Creating the Habit of Being Present. Now, Kate is in the Twin Cities, and she also, I understand, does groups and does one-on-one training. So thanks for being with us, Kate. It's a pleasure to have you. I went so fast. Thanks. Yes, it did. Now, everybody stay with us. Mark your calendar. Go to Eventbrite right now and register yourself for the August 18th full-day training, Invisible Wounds, Creating Visible Results in Your Life Using Spiritual Tools. And this is 3.0. Part 3 will have phenomenal guests from different vantage points of spirituality, teaching you tools you can put to use right now. Such a pleasure. I'm Dr. Brenda Wade, your mom. Love, Dr. Big. Thank you to our executive producer, LeGron Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, and a huge heartfelt thank you to you, modern lovers. Blessings. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z.